Shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Ushers, go ahead and pass the buckets this morning. I'll go ahead and jump into today's message. We had a lot to get through. I'm going to continue on with our, our God's Kingdom Manifested, a series I started um, about five, six weeks back whenever we, we, we began to lay hands on people that service where God moved powerfully. I took a break last week just to deliver and talk to you about destiny, just a word and unction of the Lord that He put on my life. You have free will, and the devil does not have the ability. He cannot, he cannot kill you. He cannot take you out. He cannot ruin your calling. He cannot cause you to, to miss it. All he can do is distract you, annoy you, and try and delay the process. But his destiny is to lose. Your destiny is that you are more than a conqueror. Amen? And if you believe that, say it's mine. So anything and everything you do, you got to come from the standpoint of who am I? I am a child of God. And so as his child, I am blessed everywhere I go. His word is my truth. I follow after his voice. He gives me direction. He gives me strength. And he gives me victory, and he doesn't allow me to fail. Though I might fall, he picks me back up again. Amen? Amen. That's your destiny. Your destiny is that you're more than a conqueror. Yes, you will have troubles in this world, but they will not take you out. But continuing on with God's kingdom made manifest, we've been talking about the supernatural power of God leading up to Pentecost Sunday where I'm encouraging everybody. I want prayer warriors fully locked in, praying and declaring God's going to supernaturally move all across the place on Pentecost Sunday, regardless of how many people are there. I, I'll tell you this, and I, and I, and I want to remind you this. If you preach the gospel to a thousand people and one person gets saved, that was, that's worth it all. If you, if, you, if you go all out and five people show up and only one person gets saved, it was still worth it all for heaven. Just one is enough for God. Amen. So if you have to lay hands on a thousand deaf ears before one pops opens, that's still one for the glory of the Lord. And it's worth it all. If you believe it, say amen. amen. All right. First Corinthians chapter 12. This is the basis. I'm going to run through it quickly because of time. But it says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. It is easier to be ignorant because then that means you have no responsibility. And that's where the church chooses to lend itself in the supernatural realms. Stay ignorant. Just say God does things in mysterious ways so that it's all up to God and it's not up to the church to do any part of the miraculous or the supernatural. But the problem is, as Christ also said, my people, or the word says, my people perish because of ignorance or lack of knowledge. So we are meant to mature and grow up, and that's what Paul's saying. I don't want you to be ignorant or immature or unknowing concerning spiritual gifts. Right? All right, skipping down, it, uh, we'll go to verse 4. It says, there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are di differences of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it's the same God who works all in all. And the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Shout all. all. So the gifts of the Spirit are to profit the entire body of Christ. They profit the person that is being used in it, and they profit the body of Christ as a whole. Amen. You with me? So it's for the profit of all. Shout all one more time. All. It's amazing how the Lord does so much for the church. Now, one is given the word of wisdom 
through the Spirit, another the word of knowledge, through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all of these, distributing to each one as individually as He wills. So that's 1 Corinthians chapter 12, our foundation. I want to talk to you about God's kingdom made manifest part four, receiving the gifts. How do you receive the gifts of the Spirit? Such a great question. First of all, if you read the gifts of the Spirit, and I've said this many times, it's one Spirit. If you really boil it down, I think Paul did his best to write down different operations of the same Holy Spirit, which he said it's the same Spirit. To kind of put in context, these are the things that he witnessed and that he saw the Holy Spirit do. But if you, if you really look at it, there's really only one gift, and the gift is the Holy Spirit. If you have been gifted the Spirit of the living God on the inside of you, then by the Spirit that is on the inside of you and cultivating and developing a real relationship with the Spirit, these gifts or these supernatural abilities can be utilized in your life by following the Word of the Spirit. Amen. Are you with me so far? So the revelation gifts that we call them, they're grouped into the groups of three. The word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, and the discerning of spirits. The word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, and the discerning of spirits are what oftentimes are referred to as revelation gifts. They're gifts that make you think like God. So when you begin to think like God, the word of knowledge is accessing God's supercomputer. He is omnipresent and omniscient. He knows everything and He's everywhere at any given time. There is not anything unknown to God. And now when the word of knowledge is operating in a person's life, it's knowing things they can't naturally know, but they access it through God. It's almost like even pulling a memory or an understanding from God's brain, which 1 Corinthians chapter 2 says, your spirit becomes one spirit with Christ. And who knows the mind of someone but the spirit of the person. So it's like accessing Christ's mind. What does the word say? I have been given the mind of Christ. So it's not like it operates all the time because if you always knew everything all the time, it'd probably drive you insane because you don't possess the, the supernatural absolute vastness of God. You have this little capacity, but it's accessing that. The word of knowledge is knowing something you shouldn't know. Word of wisdom is when God gives you strategy and understanding of how to operate in a certain circumstance, how to maneuver even things concerning to come to give you a plan. That's the word of wisdom. It deals with the future. It deals with events. It deals with God saying, these things will happen. Navigate this way. When the word of wisdom is upon a person, it may look like you're facing an impossible situation. But when God gives you the word of wisdom, whether someone speaks it out over you or whether you pray it out by, by the Spirit in, in a time of prayer, however it operates, you begin to get the divine strategy of God. And then when you begin to walk in that, God said do this, God said do that. As you obey that, guess what? You have the fruit of what God says you will have. That's like a word of wisdom operating on a person. Then the Bible talks about the discerning of spirits. This is not just, is it a demon or not a demon? There are demonic spirits that we understand scripturally and we understand by experience, most of us. Most people have encountered in their life demonic presences or demonic spirits, whether in a person or something that you, you, you witness, it exists all around us. The spiritual world is very real. It's not far away, it's right here among us. So you can discern demonic things, you can also discern the spirit of man. 
What is, what is within the spirit of the man? Is it a connivingness? Is it a wickedness? Is there perverseness? Is there things? You discern things at a spiritual level of really what is the basis or what is the foundation behind what I'm encountering. I've witnessed that the discerning of spirits operates oftentimes in services. You're like, that's the Lord. That's not the Lord. That's the flesh. But it also operates where you'll walk away from a conversation with a person and something will replay over and over again in your spirit and you can't let it go and you chew on it and chew on it and it begins to illuminate to you things that were not previously seen or known. And you're like, wait a second. Why did, and the more you meditate on it, the more God reveals about maybe tactics of the person or things the person was trying to manipulate you with that it gets brighter and brighter. That's discerning of spirits. Why? Because the Lord says in the last days, the number one sign in the last days will be deception. Where do you think that deception comes from? It comes from seducing spirits. It comes from teachers that tickle your ears but never bring you to the truth. It, it comes from that realm. And so he said the, one of the greatest gifts to operate is his discernment to know that's the Holy Ghost. That's not the Holy Ghost. That's truth. That's not truth. I'm following truth, not a lie. Because if I continue to follow truth, I continue to walk in freedom. Amen. Are you, all right? Are you all, right? all right so far? I'm not talking too quickly, am I? I haven't even had caffeine. I don't even take caffeine anymore because I realized I was like a chipmunk. Like, you know, what's that cartoon, The Hedge, when they like have to slow down the, the squirrel and it's like he's really intelligent, but otherwise you don't know it? It's me. <laughs> Discerning of spirits. It's a gift from God so that you are not caught unaware. It's the revelation gifts make you think like God. And I'm not going to dive into deep of them. I may do a, a greater, more exhaustive, probably ministry time on it throughout the year. I usually try and do probably every other year on that. Then there's the power gifts. The power gifts are the gifts of healing, the working of miracles, and the gift of faith. These are gifts that make you act like God. Right? When you walk in supernatural power, you're acting like God. The gifts of healing, the working, notice the working of miracles. That's where you did something that, that, that kicked off the supernatural things of God. So you threw flour in a pot. You threw a stick in the water. You did something that God utilized as a working, an action of faith, to then turn on the miraculous flow. Sticks don't make axes float. Flour doesn't make the pot not poison. Come on. Slapping a cloak on water doesn't make the water part. But it was something you did that you were like, I'm believing God, and I'm going to show forth the glory of God. And you stepped out, and God says, if you're going to step out of the boat, I'm going to make you walk on water. That's a working of miracles. And a lot of people are like, that's why we can't be ignorant about this because too many people are willing to sit on their couch waiting on the miracle. But it's not the sitting of miracles, it's the working of miracles. Right? Come on, somebody. I'm preaching better than we, we we're getting. Half the time, I don't know if the crowd loves me or hates me. But you keep showing up every week, so you must love me. And I love you. Amen. I'm just telling you, it's, and it's true, it's, it's the power of God. That's the working of miracles. And in the realms of the working of miracles, you have to understand that there is nothing God can't do. Nothing. 
You don't, I mean, people are like, uh, is that biblical? Can you slap a car and tell it to move? You can if you're a blood-bought, born-again believer. I don't care what the carburetor, the fuel, I don't know nothing. But when I lay hands on a person to be healed, I don't know what their, their people are like. It sounds like a cardiovascular, pneumatorial, rheumatic. What? Heartbeat. That's all I know. Amen. Yeah, the working of miracles, God can, God can take a crashing plane and cause the plane to fly. God can take gasoline and cause it to never run out. God can, do, God can do whatever He wants to do. God can take a beat-up car without a motor and make the motor run. God can take money, make money appear. I've heard people say money appeared in crazy places. I'm like, Lord, I thank you that working of miracles works in my life too. I sometimes hide pennies under my bed. Just say, grow, blossom, young one. My wife's like, why is the carpet wet? Because I watered the seed, bro. Let it blossom and grow. Produce many more little pennies. Amen. Maybe I should sow a dollar. I might step it up. The working of miracles is that God can do anything. And I think that's, that's so key to remember in modern day United States of America where we have been programmed of the, the law of this, the law of that. These are the, these are the things that are possible. This, so that we get to a point where we forget just the raw, uncontainable power of God. He can do anything He wants to do. And I say, do it in my life, God. Amen. Then the gifts of healing, obviously. Supernatural gifts of healing. The God can heal anything from mental trauma inward things physical problems god can do anything that needs to be done in a physical level emotional level mental level addiction level god can heal amen, amen. then faith i want to just take a moment about the gift of faith is not the measure of faith just so everybody knows there are in scripture multiple types of faith that basically talks about the saving faith that you require the saving faith to believe god and to get saved and when you get you use that saving faith that little bit then you get saved and it springs up within you a new spirit, man, that then has a measure of faith to grow and multiply and get stronger. That's faith that all of us, that's the faith that grows by praying in the spirit of God and reading the word of God or hearing and hearing the word of God. So you're responsible for developing that faith. Are you with me? Your faith doesn't grow unless you sit under anointed preaching. Get the Word of God spoken and declared over your spirit. It becomes revelation knowledge. It explodes within you. And you, you stir yourself up praying in the Holy Ghost. Your faith gets stronger and stronger and stronger. That's your measure. You can use it and you can make it grow bigger. That's why Scripture talks about ye of little faith and you of great faith. Your desire is to be the person of great faith. Definitely not always on the little faith side. You with me? So that's up to you. Do you grow it? But the gift of faith. That's where God's faith comes upon you. And with God's faith, it's not even you that's doing it, if I could describe it well to you. That when the gift of faith is given by God upon a man or a woman to accomplish a task here on earth, there's no fear, there's no doubt, there's no plan B, there's no second guessing. It's like the person comes into direct alignment and all they see, all they know is this, is what will happen. And it's the gift of faith. That's what Mark eleven twenty four 24 says, that if the gift of faith have the faith of God, when the faith of God is on you, you could speak to a mountain, 
go away and the mountain's going to go away. Literally and figuratively. Amen. Whether that's a, an emotional mountain or just a physical mountain, it can move because God can do anything. But that's God's faith. Would that we all could live with the gift of faith. Because if the gift of faith is on you, all the other power, all the other nine, the eight gifts are just flowing. It's like you just know, you just speak, you just declare. It's the gift of faith. To me, that's the greatest of gifts. When he says, desire the best gifts, that's the best gift. May the gift of faith be something that I walk in many days of my life. Because then it's the ease of God and God gets all the glory. And even the person that had the gift of faith come on them. Like when Ellie fell and her head was, was, was the way it was in South Africa. That was the gift of faith that came on me. There was no fear. It didn't even feel like a miracle. I mean, seriously, it's hard to believe. But your daughter's eyes are rolled in the back of her head. Something like a hematobin growing from her head. She's laying there lifeless. A little baby. I put my hand on it. It disappears. She's instantly healed by the power of God. And it took me two years to realize it was a miracle. Why did it take me two years to realize it was a miracle? Because with the gift of faith, it felt normal. Just felt like that's, of course, what's going to happen. Of course, she's going to be okay. Of course, there was, not even a, there was not even an understanding. And two years later, when I was telling the testimony, I actually started sweating. And I was like, oh, my God, my baby nearly died. Like delayed response. Thank God for your calmness in the hour. But because it was the gift, he just put his faith on me and he had no fear. He was not concerned and it was normal because God, it's normal for God to just heal, do miraculous, do everything that needs to be done. He's the God of life and life more abundantly. Amen. Amen. The power gifts make you act like God. The spoken and utterance gifts make you speak like God. So those are tongues. The interpretation of tongues and prophecy, all utterance gifts where you open your mouth and you declare a thing. And we spoke about this the other week when I said, when God said, let there be light, he didn't say that in English. England didn't exist. America didn't exist. He didn't say it in Spanish. He didn't say it in Spanglish. He said it in a, in a tongue of angels. He said it in the voice of creation. And you've got to understand that as much as you get mocked for praying in the Holy Ghost and speaking in tongues, it's a gift that came from God. And Scripture says when you speak this, you speak mysteries unto the Lord. And though your mind is unfruitful, your spirit is fruitful. Amen. And you begin to pray the perfect will of God over your life. And Paul said, I would that you all pray in tongues but also that you prophesy. Why? The utterance gifts, if you tap into tongues and you roll into interpretation, Scripture tells you that that is the exact same as prophecy because it came from the Spirit, it flowed from the Spirit, and when it's interpreted, it's the same as a person that just unctioned by the Holy Ghost to prophesy something. That's speaking like God. And the Word says God does nothing except He first reveal it to His prophets. And so the things the Lord wants to do, you'll hear me oftentimes when we start times of prayer, I'll stir myself up and say, I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you pray through us through this hour, that we declare whatever you want declared, and we decree whatever you want decreed. Because I understand scripturally that God wants to establish something. He first has to find a mouth on earth to come in agreement with heaven's plan so that heaven and earth can agree and something supernatural takes place. 
And that's what you yield yourself to. So you can mock us all you want, but we're the ones that are still getting the job done. Amen. Because it's not even us, it's heaven through us that we're yielding and we're allowing this thing to speak out. And you'll know times that come from the Spirit, it shoots through you. It's like a cold blast from your innermost being. And you know your head's not involved because your head wasn't thinking it. You didn't even have that thought. You don't even know that person. You don't even know that country. You didn't even know that ruler. You didn't even know. And it just explodes from your spirit. And boom, God found a voice or a person on earth to come in agreement with. Heaven's plan begins to be released. Why does he do this? Scripturally, God gave dominion to man. Man lost dominion. Christ came as a man to restore the dominion back to the blood-bought children of God so that we are the government of God on this earth. And so we carry that dominion so when we declare it, that releases the power of God. That's truth. Come on, somebody. You read the Bible, you're like, it makes sense. I get what God's doing. It's not just can I go in the corner and mumble. It's can I connect with the Holy Ghost and the one that wants to declare something and be a part of what God's doing in this hour. There's a lot more to being a part of what God's doing in the hour than just going to worship nights alone. I thank God for worship nights, but I also thank God for times of prayer where it's I don't have an instrument and I'm just breaking through. Amen. It's power in that. Now, to receive the gifts, the Bible says. Receiving the gifts. It says, I would not that you be ignorant. Ignorant is unlearning. So if you don't know concerning the gifts, you'll never operate in the gifts. When, they, when we talked about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, when Paul went to Ephesus, said, are you baptized with the Holy Ghost? They simply said, we have not even heard of the Holy Ghost. So Paul taught them concerning the Holy Ghost. They were all baptized with the Holy Ghost. And then a revival erupted across Ephesus that shook the city for two and a half years. Because they learned. Look at your neighbor say, learn. learn. That's right. It's important to learn these things. So you can't be ignorant concerning them and expect them to happen. Desire, Proverbs 19, verse 2, desire without knowledge is not good. And to be over hasty is to sin and miss the mark. A lot of people want to just be used, and you got to like change the, the background to be black if you're going to put it up there. People are like praying in the Holy Ghost to read that. <laughs> Thank you. Desire without knowledge is not good, and to be over hasty is sin and miss the mark. A lot of people just want to jump right into supernatural power. Let me prophesy. Let me prophesy over this person. You got saved last month, and you want to come and prophesy over people. I'm not saying you can, and I'm not saying God doesn't give you a word. I'm saying with your desire to be used in the gifts of the Spirit also has to come a desire to mature. I want to mature. I want to mature in the things of God. I want to mature in my understanding of the mind of Christ, of His plan with this church, of His plan with the leadership, of His plan with this person's life, of His plan with my life, of my calling. And in that, that's the pure desire. 1 Corinthians 14, 12, 14 verse 12 says it this way, Even so you, since you're zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. So we don't desire to be used in spiritual gifts to build a ministry or to look cool. It's not so, look, everybody knows Pastor Caleb's anointed because I have spiritual gifts in my life. 
You have to seek to desire it for the edification of the body of Christ and of the church. So it's actually coming from a place of humility. Lord, if you will ever use me, I would love to be used. I thank God for the church. It's my safe haven. I thank God for brothers and sisters in the body of Christ that stand for the purity of the word of God, that lead as examples before me, that live the righteous life. I thank God for the church. And if I'm going to be using the gifts of the Spirit, let it be to profit the body of Christ and the church. Not to lift me up or to magnify me, but to magnify the Lord Jesus and to elevate the church to another level. Is that good so far? So you can't be ignorant. Well, ignorant is unknowing. What is it that you need to know to be used in the spiritual gifts? First and foremost, write this down. You need to know the will of God. Write down, number one, you cannot be ignorant concerning the will of God. What is the will of God? Great preachers for many generations have said it this way, that the the faith begins where the will of God is known. Faith begins... Where the will of God is known. What is God's will? You know, and I'm, I, I always share too much, but let me put it to you. I, 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 I. Take this. People reach out. A lot of times, I'm talk, probably I've had this happen 15 times since I've been pastoring in the ministry. Pray for my dad. Looks like he's going he's gonna, to he's gonna pass on. He's 93. We're just believing God that he, he turns the corner and stays with us. And I'm not being negative. But he loves Jesus. He's 93. He doesn't want to stay. Now that might seem harsh. But it's like when you're going to pray, I, then I, 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 it's not I'm going to pray God heals him. I'm not going to even pray God takes him. I'm just going to rejoice that he knows the Lord. Man, and I turn it on him. A lot of times I turn it. I'm like, thank God. Tell me about the times, the things he's learned from the Lord. And I get them talking about his, their relationship with God and the excitement. Now, it's another thing. If it's pray for my dad, he's 93 and he doesn't serve the Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus. You want to see fire come out of me? I pray right now you raise him up out of that deathbed. You're giving him one more chance. Send in 18 doctors full of the Holy Ghost. I mean, I go bananas because I don't want anybody to go to hell. And when you know the will of God, you know that's what moves him. People are like, let's pray him back from the dead. They're saved. They don't want to come back from heaven. Leave them alone. That's like calling a person in Maui and saying, come. That actually doesn't even compare. Bad analogy. Hey, leave the glory and come back to Florida. No! You lost your ever-loving mind? Get thee behind me! People are like, I don't understand why they didn't come back. <laughs> you will. You will know. When you get there, you'll be like, ain't nobody calling me back. I don't care how anointed a preacher is. I don't care if they fast 120 days, I'm staying. Peace out. See you on the other side. If you fast 120 days, you're joining me anyways. Welcome. <laughs> you got to know the will of God. The will of God is discovered and made plainly available to everyone in this room with the Bible. 
I want to hear the voice of the Lord. Start with the Bible. That's the voice of the Lord given to mankind that had pure relationships that were unctioned by the Holy Ghost. So even in Mark 6, verse 5 through 6, when Jesus could do no great mighty work there in, in Nazareth, where he was from, it says he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. So he marveled because of their unbelief. So then he went about in the villages in a circuit teaching. So what happened was, concerning spiritual gifts, they were ignorant. So Christ, the Son of the living God, the one who had the spirit without measure still had to go about teaching and instructing them the word of God, which is the will of God, to open hearts to begin to receive the supernatural things of God. Well, if Christ has to do it, you have to do it. That's where it comes down to in your personal life or in a corporate world. Okay, what is that? There it is. Okay, well, Jesus went about all Galilee. So from Nazareth, he couldn't do a great work. But he taught in their synagogues, he preached the gospel, and then the fruit of that, the fruit of teaching people the will of God is, he healed all kinds of sickness and all kinds of diseases among the people. So you begin to see that we can't be ignorant, not concerning can God heal. We can't be ignorant concerning God's will. Even Pentecost Sunday, I'm not going to get up and I'm just going to preach on healing. I'm going to get up and preach a salvation message. Because if you come to Christ Jesus, if you believe in who He is, if you repent of your sins, there's a transformative power that's released in your life that is miraculous in all areas. Come on, somebody. And so when you begin to know the will of God, now I'm not ignorant. Now when a person comes to me, can you pray for this person that's sick? Well, you know God's will. The person is sick. They love God. There's a work or a labor before them and they're not 98 years old. Then you go through scripture and know when Christ entered into a room and, and Peter's mother-in-law was sick and she had to feed the people, Christ immediately laid hands on her, spoke over she'd be healed so that she could rise up and go do the job that she's supposed to do. Well, I know the will of God. You've got something that God wants you to do. I know that God wants you healed so you can accomplish that thing. Now, I'm not just praying, God, if you've got time, Lord, if this would hit the lucky dark bullseye in heaven, if it would just find the mark, God. It's praying the will of God. And I tell people this concerning prayer. It's one thing to ask God for something. It's another thing when you go and say, God, you told me you wanted us to have this. You see the difference? If I was to tell my daughter, I want you to have this dress, and then she's like, comes to me, Dad, buy me the dress. You told me you wanted me to have this dress. Of course, now Dad's a sucker, and he's buying the dress. It's done. The deal has been made. Dad is now buying the dress. Same with the Heavenly Father. He's not a liar. He is not a man that he should lie. Let every man be a liar, but God be the truth. So if he says it and you know his will, then that's where you're leaning on. Does that make sense? Is that good? We're talking about desiring the gifts. Well, how do I receive the gifts in my life? Or not desiring, but how do you receive them? You've got to get knowledgeable concerning the will of God. Now, then you've got to be knowledgeable. You cannot be ignorant concerning the power of God. The power of God. So know the will of God. Know the power of God. Which we hit this in working of miracles. Understand that when Job really came against the Lord. If you've ever read God's rebuke of Job, if you haven't, go and read it in Job chapter 41 to 42, maybe 43. It's a long rebuke. 
God doesn't pull any punches. And he goes on and he talks about, can you draw out Leviathan with a hook or snare his tongue a line which you would, with, a line, with a line that you lower? He goes on talking, did you put the stars in the sky? Did you do all of these things? Can you do any of these great and spectacular things? You've got to know the power of God is that nothing, 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 nothing. You ask, declare, believe. Beg for, plead for is even difficult for God to do. It's not hard. It's not stressful. It's not outside of his reach. He's not like, maybe I can do this. You've got to understand the power of God and his desire for that power to be uh, poured out in your life. Know the power of God. God is supernatural. Who is God? God is the one that, that does every supernatural thing that has ever happened on planet earth. Amen. There is not a scenario you could dream up with all the writers in Hollywood combined that could stump God. Come on. There is not a villain so wicked and conniving and masterful in planning that it could outwit God. The devil loses every time, not most of the time. Are you with me? He drowned Pharaoh and his entire army in the Red Sea. He drove Nebuchadnezzar to madness and made him eat plants for seven years. He caused Herod to be eaten by worms. He stopped the sun to give Joshua a victory over five wicked kings. He said in his word, I raise kings up and I bring kings down. Know the power of the one that you serve. Hallelujah. He is the Lord thy God. He's a healer. He's a savior. He's a deliverer. He's a protector. He's a mighty warrior. He fights the battles for you, and he wins every single time. He shuts the mouth of lions. He causes oil to never stop flowing, bread to just keep multiplying. Whatever you give him, you give it away, and you wind up with baskets more than you even started with. That's the God that you serve. Know the power of God. Hey! Someone says, I have a financial need. Know the power of God. Can God move in, in, in finances? Oh, yeah. He can make bank errors happen. He can make money appear. He can make gold fall from heaven. He can make a chicken drop off a golden egg outside your house. Hey, somebody. He can make a cow. Well, I'm going to stop right there. Seriously, know the power of God and understand God's power is that even when you think that you turned on your faith, he was already working before you even need to turn on your faith. That's the power of God. Amen, somebody. Now, know God's, you can't be ignorant concerning God's promise to you. The will of God, the power of God, and the individual promise to you. Say to me. God made a promise to you. If you believe it, say it's true. Acts 2, verse 38 through 39, Peter replied, Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, shout me. Amen. To your children, shout my children. Amen. And to those far away. And all who have been called by the Lord our God. Say, there's a promise to me. Say it one more time together. There's a promise to me. 
There is a promise from God to you. He made a promise to you. This promise of the Holy Spirit, do not be ignorant concerning these spiritual gifts, brethren. He made a promise concerning the Holy Spirit to you. He said, this gift is to you, to your children, and to those even far away, many generations, as long as the Lord tarries, this promise is over your household and over your children's children. And if you believe that, say, it's mine. Hallelujah. Now, how do you receive them? So you're not ignorant now. These are the things that you establish within you. Now, receiving the gifts. How do you receive the supernatural gifts of God? And we're closing. Number one, through encounters. Encountering God. Why do you think that we, as a ministry, have prophetic weekends? We have October outpouring. We have taking territory where we do night services and we just it's all about the holy ghost it's unscripted move in the realms of supernatural and let the lord just encounter his people because times of encountering god unlock spiritual things in a person just as paul on the road to damascus when he encountered jesus what happened if you read that paul actually says i didn't even have to confer with flesh and blood i went 14 years to Arabia and signs and wonders followed Paul from one encounter with Jesus Christ. He didn't go see the apostles. He didn't even have hands laid on him. Not that that's not scriptural, but he didn't have any of that. He just had an encounter with God. Encounter the Lord. Divine revelation comes from encounters with the Holy Ghost. When you encounter God, something supernatural happens. Simon Peter walked with Jesus and he had that divine revelation hitting, Thou art the Son of God, the Messiah. And Jesus said, Flesh and blood didn't confer this or reveal this to you, but your Father in heaven, the Spirit of God. Encounters with the Holy Ghost cause supernatural things to be released because it comes from God. It's like, boom, no, it was just you and the Lord. He spoke, something released, you know, you know that you know, and something supernatural takes place. You want to be using gifts? Pursue God. Yeah. Don't pursue the gifts. Pursue God. Yeah, amen. See, if you're saying, I just want gifts of healing, and you're pursuing healing, then you're, you're just open to whatever. You might as well. That's the weird Christians that wind up following some Indian chakra guy. Because he's got healing. I've followed the healing, and they've got this red dot, and they smoke a peace pipe, and people get healed. No. That's not the healing you want. That's not the healing for the church. The healer is the one you seek. Yes. Seek an encounter with God. Yeah. I want to know you. I want to know your heart. I want to know your will. I want to know what you're thinking. I just want to be used by you, God. And when you seek and pursue, he tells you, if you seek me with all of your heart, you will find me. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. Ask and keep on asking. Encounters. Encounters with the Holy Ghost will transform your life. Amen. Another way, scripturally, is impartation. Impartation comes through the laying on of hands and the serving of men and women of God that God puts in your life that carry the gifts of power, healing, wisdom. You can read many great people all throughout time, from the Lester Summerall that traveled with the Howard Carter to then when he prayed and spoke over Rod Parsley and the transference of the anointing and the impartation that takes place all throughout the body of Christ. These are holy things. But I want to encourage you with this. Yes, you can go to a conference. And you can, a conference of 6,000, you can get in a line and you can get hands laid on you and something supernatural can happen.
But it's, you read scripture, impartation dealt more with relationship than with just one prayer service. It was Elisha served Elijah. It was that Timothy served Paul. And that's when Paul wrote to him and said, stir up the gift of God that's in you through prophecy and through the laying on of my hands. Remind you that God did not give you the spirit of fear, but of love and power and of a sound mind. But Paul's not writing to a person that came to one of Paul's meetings one time. Paul's writing to a man that traveled with him. Timothy, you've traveled with me. You've been with me. I've imparted everything I can impart to you. There is a relationship there. And from that, the power of God begins to flow. So if God ever gives you the opportunity to serve along someone that is being used by God, I would say that you would get more from an apostle with 30 people truly being used in the power of God than you would go into every conference in America over and over again. You would get more by serving a person that's doing it on a regular basis. And I don't mean that in a negative way of great ministries. I just mean that from scriptural. It's about relationship. Jesus came to give you relationship. It was always about relationship. To, to know Him. To be known by Him. To have that relationship. Because impartation is a combination of things. Supernatural power, but also wisdom and understanding the will of God, the power of God. All of those things I went through being instructed to a younger person. Or a less knowledgeable person. And the more you walk in that, thank God for that, then you grow. Man, it's beautiful. Who's glad that you can grow? Man, thank you, Jesus. Man, where I am today is not where I will be next year. I'm going to grow. Because I'm hungry for more of you, God. And you've surrounded me with men and women of God that are knowledgeable, that are faithful, that are pure. In closing, the last thing, how do you receive the gifts of God? You've got to desire them. That's scripture. If you don't desire it, don't worry, it will never happen. Say, a lot of people, they've been taught not to desire tongues. So guess what? You'll never have to worry about that. That's when Paul wrote, do all, are all apostles, are all this, are all teachers, are all evangelists, are all those that flow in gifts of healing, are all those that speak in tongues. And the, and the understand word, the understood word, there it is exactly, is a no. We understood. No, not everybody. But that's not scriptural proof that you can't have all of it. You, there's one spirit. One spirit does all of this. You can walk in all this. It's, it's more scriptural proof that people will resist what God wants to do. It's not doctrine that you can't have these or be used in these. It's doctrine that people that don't desire to be used in these things or flow in these matters never will. That's why you have to go through teaching the Word of God, breaking things off. Especially lies of devils, doctrine of demons that blocks people from the things of God. You've got to desire it. And the more you cultivate the desire, God, I desire you and everything you do in my life. Years ago, I was preaching in South Florida, and I remember the pastor was so excited. He called me every week leading up to it. I'm, I've got the youth are going to be coming. Man, we're going to, we're, I believe in God for just, we've got a lot of the youth we're busting in that need a touch from God. He's like, they're rough, but I know the Holy Ghost is going to touch them, and I know we're going to get souls saved, and he was so hungry for souls saved. And then right when we got there, it turned weird where his wife got involved, and his wife did not believe the Holy Ghost, did not believe in the power of God, did not believe 
anything that her husband actually believed. And so then he was like, well, I, I can't bring the youth. My wife says the youth don't to be in the service. They're not mature enough for the things of God or the Holy Ghost. We need to prepare them for the move of God. And I got to thinking to myself, at first it sounded like wisdom because I was a young preacher. Yeah, you got to prepare people for the move of God. And then I walked away and I thought, how do you prepare a person? What preparation is there to meet God? You know what I'm saying? Well, who, how could you ever prepare a person for an encounter with the Lord? You know, when, you, when, you, when He comes, just tell you, just remember to fall backwards and not forward. If you fall forward and grab the preacher, it gets awkward on the way down. You know, if try and fall straight back trust it's a trust fall it's no proper you can't prepare it's not a preparation it's a desire and that's where you begin to realize the job of a preacher an evangelist is to bypass every argument and preach into the hearts of men and women that hunger to explode within them to where they don't even think of why they can't have it Every reason they've ever been told, it's fun. all they know is the desire explodes within them. That if that's available and that's real, then I want that today. And they lift their hands and they run forward. And then that's where God takes over. If you would desire Him, if you desire Him, it's out of the realms of a preacher, an apostle. It's now God sees a heart like He saw in young Samuel, like He saw in David. And He's searching for that heart all the time. When he sees the heart that's ablaze with that, he's like, there's a heart. Another one just came alive in Claremont, Florida today. Heaven, send forth the glory. Pour out in that person's life. Transform them, renew them, empower them, deliver them, use them and raise them up. Because they desire God. See, when you desire God, it's like, the, it's like the great message of Oral Roberts, the fourth man in the fire. Listen to it a hundred times. You can listen to it yourself. Google it. Listen to it over and over again. It's a great part. And he says that I'm going to heaven because I want to go to heaven. It's your desire. Everything's been paid for. But do you want to go or do you want to do your thing? If you want what God wants, then you're going to have what God gives. Then he talks about a woman that says, come, come with me to the altar with her boyfriend. And the boyfriend says, I'm not going up in that altar call tonight. I don't want to serve the Lord. At first she felt ashamed and she was going to sit in her chair and then it sparked from her heart. No, I want God in my life. And she looked at her boyfriend and said, well, you know what? If you're not going to go to heaven with me, I certainly am not going to go to hell with you. And she got up and walked down there. It comes down to a desire. What's the desire in your heart? Do you desire God? Do you desire the Lord? God will use you. Every head bowed and every eye closed this morning. Man, God is...